Hi, welcome to the WAN Manager Podcast. Today we have Remark Bognar, Head of Network Architecture at Norsk Hydro. And so rather than a single topic or issue in the WAN like we often do, today we're going to talk more broadly about the Norse Hydro network itself. So how it's set up, the process that Remark took to get it where it is, and then hopefully a little something about uh, where the, they are headed with their network going forward. Um, so welcome, Remark. Thank you so much for being with us. Hello. Hello, Greg. Thanks for inviting. It's a good yeah. opportunity to discuss. Absolutely, and it's excellent to talk to you again. Uh, I've already heard a lot of this stuff, but first I wondered if perhaps you could tell us a bit about Norsk Hydro itself, and then of course your role there as head of network architecture. Sure thing. So Norsk Hydro, it's uh, one of the largest aluminum companies in the, in the world. We have around 200 locations, and they are mainly in Europe, North America, and, and a large portion in Brazil. And mm. a few parts in APAC, but that is not too significant. We are not present mm -hmm. uh, in, in Africa or any other place. My role in, uh, as, uh, as, uh, in the company, I'm basically leading the network architecture team. So that means that we are responsible for the network as a whole. So not just the wider network, but also local area network and uh, proxies and you know anything that has some kind of relation to network and our role is to is is about defining the strategy and doing implementation of, of new things that's basically it excellent and that that is uh, exactly why i wanted to have you on the show here today is that uh th this is what we're always trying to sort of work around there's there's a lot of um sources out there for for very technical deep dives but what we want to look at is is the sort of big market kind of strategy so excellent so you know i thought um a, a good place to start with that would be to just get um kind of a quick rundown obviously you don't um have to uh, give super detailed information here, uh, but a, a rundown of what your network looks like right now, how many sites. Um, you gave us a, a quick geographic overview already, but uh, maybe a little bit about um, the mix of sites being in the sort of industrial end of the, the economic spectrum. Uh, do you have a lot of um, sort of far-flung remote sites? Um, could you just kind of take us through uh, what uh, the sites look like and, and, and how you have to connect them? Yeah, so basically we have like uh, in every region we have some sort of a headquarter, which is mostly mm. a large office uh, kind of mm -hmm. facility. We also have some, um, you know, shared services locations where our, it is um, is also office. But main the main majority of the sites are actually uh, more than a hundred sites are production sites, which mm. are. Um, yeah, they, that's where the magic happens, where the business happens. Right. Turning right. turning bauxite into aluminum or whatever. Yeah, that's, <laughs> right. that's so, basically yeah. it because it's a yeah. full chain uh, company. So we do everything mm -hmm. from mining um, to to creating raw aluminium and also the energy. Uh, we do that uh, with um, you know with with uh, renewable energy then in Norway because right. we have a lot of right, plants right. there, energy plants, and then use that energy. To, to create raw aluminum and then from there end products. So basically, yeah, it is it is important that uh, these sites are up and running and that uh, those are the most critical sites in this discussion. But of course we have other small sites like sales offices mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like warehouses and, and stuff like that. 
And so what, what's your service mix look like right now? Um, a, a mix of MPLS, DIA, do you have any uh, sort of more broadband, uh, b- business broadband, consumer kind of broadband? Um, what, what are you running across all those sites? So we did go on to the SD1 journey and we, uh, mm-hmm. we installed SD1 to all sites. Uh, mm-hmm. And, uh, but the underlying network, so the physical connections, we try to standardize on this that we have uh, sort of uh, a main line that is uh, Wayne physical line that is virtually separated into MPLS and, and to premium internet. And on the major sites, we do have like a business grade internet on the backup link, but uh, for, you know, not the not so important sites, we usually have a broadband internet uh, as a backup link. Yeah. Gotcha. And just just out of curiosity, do you find it uh, difficult to source uh, broadband, especially for for some of those um, remote industrial sites? No, it's um, okay. We we actually gonna go deep into this discussion then because yeah, yeah, what, absolutely. What I, yeah, yeah. What I see what I see here is that uh, MPLS is less needed. Um, mm-hmm. We when we did this journey when we started, it was two thousand seventeen. Right. 18. So at that point, we didn't say, okay, we're going to seize MPLS as it is. We're just going to, you know, adopt it that later on we can just shut it down easily virtually and then keep the internet. So that's yeah. uh, that's one part of it. We hear that a lot, it. definitely. I mean, you know, even after SD-WAN adoption, uh, obviously a big point of it is to free yourself from, from expensive MPLS, but that when it was, especially a few years ago, a less tested concept, it was kind of uh, scary to, to get rid yeah. of MPLS. Um, so, so you kept it, but you think you might you might um, be getting rid of it in the future? Yeah, that's definitely going to happen, I believe. But, um, you know, the premium internet that these large tier one providers are selling, that's rebanded mm-hmm. MPLS because it, it uses right. almost the same network. Uh, you get the same kind of uh, quality, but the price is also really similar to MPLS. So the only thing you get in advanced compared to MPLS is that you go directly to the cloud where you need to, or you can build these right. uh, tunnels to other sites that do not have this, uh, you know, let's say premium private mm-hmm. internet net. How about backups though, just uh, to, to interrupt real quick. One thing we talk about a lot in our different pricing configurations and whatnot at Telegeography is, is that um, if you go with say um, a private internet solution, DIA, um, with SD-WAN as an overlay, you you can have you know two active uh, ports or whatever um, that are are right sized for for that particular site's needs and not have to have a, a fully redundant MPLS kind of backup like you would have with with an all MPLS network. W- were you in that kind of situation previous to adopting SD-WAN where you were backing up your MPLS and could get rid of that? Okay, so if I could go back on time. I would do mm-hmm. things differently. So what I have I mean, right now, that's that is that a, a is a uh, statement for everything, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So right now, this setup, it's okay, but it's uh, it's not that much cost effective, and uh, mm-hmm. and, you, and we could actually do better. So going back to your sure. question, that was like, I think three sentences before, that how do yeah, we sorry, provision? Sorry. Uh, yeah. How do we provision the internet lines? So what we did is we just said, okay, our big provider give me broadband. And what they usually do is they have this subcontractor. There is a few mm-hmm. of them in the world who sort of do 
global broadband Absolutely. reselling but that is yep. not too effective and maybe some of these guys who work in the sales organization is going to kill me but whatever um i'm just saying well that, they, i mean uh, i think they they admit they have a markup on 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 what they source it's for no. the convenience of it right so yeah yeah the markup is fine i mean uh, because if that if they could you know i can source this from one single source then the markup I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem mm -hmm. is that they are not too effective finding the best circuits in the uh, uh, in the right. in the area because there are so many providers in the world, and especially if you look in Europe, where it's not one country like in the U.S. on a big region. Mm -hmm. But if you go into right. Europe, every country has its tier two, tier three providers, and there's a lot of them. So I, I'm talking about thousands. So they are only mm -hmm. working uh, with a few of them in, in each country, and those do not may not be present at the locations where we are. So we sort of changed our um, strategy, and we said we're not mm -hmm. going to buy this from a central provider. Uh, these backup circuits, we're just going to go check the local market what do we have there is there a business grade internet on fiber that we can deliver uh, even if it's a lower tier provider it's probably going to be the same or even better performance than uh, than a centrally sourced uh, broadband connection so mm -hmm. that's what we did uh, at a certain point so i think at the mm -hmm. half of the project we just said okay we're gonna we're gonna buy this for our own you know, I, I was doing one of these um, interviews that we do for our Wayne Manager survey, and um, and the I got a great quote from someone about this very topic where he said, you know, the problem with the the global providers is that they're globally bad everywhere. <laughs> so, I didn't say it; it's not not my words, but it was, it was definitely entertaining. Yeah. So okay, that makes sense. So so that does sound like a lot of work on your part, though. Do you do you have a team that's sort of dedicated to? Um, spending a, a fair bit of time just looking at broadband circuits and 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 if maybe you could along with that tell me how how do you determine sort of uh, which broadband providers are performing well for you okay so we have an advantage here uh, compared to maybe other companies uh, because most of our sites have local IT coverage which means that there mm -hmm. are you know people who understand what internet is um yes. in real life yeah. <laughs> and mm -hmm. and uh, what what comes with it so in this case what we usually do is not you know we don't try to buy it ourselves centrally from the network team but we sort of work together with the local it people and they go right. out they they have market knowledge and they go out to those providers that they know that they are in the area and mm -hmm. um uh, yeah and then source it from there and what we did is that um just to overcome the this um, management problem that you need to have a lot of people looking after the circuits. What we did is that we agreed with our global provider that with the letter of authority, we will give them the rights to open tickets in our behalf. So that ah, was the sort of um, uh, solution that we sort of went with. And then that comes with a markup. But then at least I know that uh, I don't get a shitty circuit. I get a good circuit, <laughs> with a fair price. amount of yeah, price. Absolutely. And then I, I, I yeah. pay a little bit, you know, couple of ten dollars or twenty dollars per circuit and then uh, i get the management on top of it it's the the wan world isn't um free from from the principle that's true just about everywhere which is you get what you pay for to some extent <laughs> i i, I want to get to sd wan but but before we get there uh last time we spoke um 
you, you talked about some of your difficulties with uh, with M and A activity. I guess um, uh, you were acquired, perhaps by by another company, uh, or it, that was in your previous role. You can remind me of the situation, but I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that because it comes up so often uh, that the role of a WAN manager, a network architect. Uh, looking at these strategies isn't just about the technical configurations and and products used and 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 vendors used, but about sort of um, the politics of of uh, merging different IT organizations with different um, philosophies, perhaps. Um, and and I wonder if you could talk about how uh, the the uh, merger that you went through impacted your role. Yeah, so you were right when you were saying politics, because yes, you need to be a indeed. politician uh, as a network architect or a network manager. That's absolutely true, uh, because uh, especially during these mergers and acquisitions. Um, to be honest, what happened with Hydro, that um, Hydro is a, was a bigger company than SAPA, which which is the extrusion business part mm-hmm. now in the in the organization. Um, however, network-wise, it was SAPA was double the size as Hydro. So, ah, gotcha. So, in in this way, and and also with IT in general, so infrastructure in general. So, mm-hmm. in this case, um, it was obvious that we need to sort of merge, and then, but it wasn't like okay whatever you say, we're gonna implement it to two times the site that you have. So it started a, you know, a big discussion that uh, who is going to change and what makes sense to change. Um, however, for the network parts, we were in the fortunate situation that uh, both companies were about to, to do a network tender. So what mm. happened is that um, we got that frozen sort of, and then we said right. we need to work together and then put down something uh, totally new. Uh, and that's, that's when the whole SD1, I mean, SD1 was the the goal for both of us. But then, uh, mm-hmm. then when we said, okay, we need to come with a common goal. And then, uh, and then of course, um, when there is politics involved and then there is, um, um, you know, uh, these mergers happen, then uh, the most, I mean, the the company that profits the most out of this situation from right. network perspective is the wider network providers because, uh, you know, and uh, yeah, they they probably take sides. You know, one of the one of the sides because some of one company has its own preferred provider, the other right. one is their right. own one, and then uh, one of those gain all of it. So this is what yeah. happened, and then there, you know, it was uh, I think it was an intense four week. Um, discussion, or maybe six weeks. Mm. I don't even remember. But I was actually not living at home. We were sitting. You tried in, to put it uh, out of your room. mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, we were sitting in a room with a group of people from both wow. organizations, and then uh, mm-hmm. doing a lot of comparisons and whatever. But um, yeah, if it would have been better if we wouldn't analyze that much, but uh, do some gut feelings better than analyzing because yeah it turned out that we didn't go for the best solution at the end mm-hmm. because we overanalyzed things so yeah politics <laughs> um, yeah it is it is um, it can ruin a lot of things so if if yeah. i have a general advice there try to find the best for the company but um, but when you do that it's uh, it, it might cost a lot on your 
on your professional uh, life. So, um, mm. yeah, I, I, I don't know how to go deep into this because I don't obviously want to share too much details. But yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. At the end, Still, uh, I come on uh-huh. top of it, so uh, yeah. so that that's good. But uh, yeah, it, it it did take a lot of uh, a lot of work and a lot of uh, yeah. fights. And just to hear your the amount of effort you put in there, and, and you were in what I think a lot of people might call a pretty good position, uh, given those circumstances, in that you didn't have a situation where one of you had already rolled out SD-WAN, and then, you know, you didn't like that, you know, so it's it's probably better uh, to be in that position when you're when you're at the end of your contracts and, and starting to, uh, to look at something new, at least, um, rather than integrate somebody who's locked into maybe a, a multi-year contract already on their part of the network and you have to make them work together. Right. So, yeah. And, um, going back there because these situations, they, they mean that you need to sort of approve the situation on both sides. Um, that is kind of counterproductive in my mind uh, when you're doing right. uh, strategies because, um, there are there are a lot of things that that uh, that can change the whole concept and uh, right. and and sometimes in this situation the rational mind doesn't play a role it's more like emotions and whatever so um, my my suggestion is that try to be rational when you get into mm. this situation and, and try to close out the emotions I think that's the real that's the key takeaway for me uh, back from yeah. 2017. And I mean, that's good advice in so many ways that if, if you can um, sort of take our, you know, monkey brains out of it and, and use the prefrontal cortex, as it were, right? So, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. All right. So so with with that kind of setup, I think that's that's useful background, especially also that that this was uh, 2017. So, uh, you know, um, in, in our data, it's still even among the enterprises that we talk to, which are probably a little more. Uh, forward thinking and early adopter than than the broad broader market. It's still only about half that have already adopted SD WAN. So 2017, you were very early here. Um, so w- with that in mind, I, I wonder if you could take us through the the vendor selection process. Not asking you to name names, uh, uh, but feel free to if you want to. That's uh, totally up to you. But um, h- how did you go about uh, selecting a vendor um, for for SD WAN uh, several years ago? My question is that should we discuss what happened in 2017, or should we discuss what I should, what I would do right now? that's a great uh, way to put we... it. Yeah. Well, and that that, that um, you know, maybe let's start with with what you did, and and then how you would do it differently now, if that makes sense. At that time, um, it was sort of obvious that we would go with the provider for managing the SD one. And then we would mm-hmm. source our internet lines or MPLS from one global provider, mm-hmm. and uh, and then go that way. And of course, um, what we did um, is that we brought in the one, the big names that we have in Europe and in America, so sure, these sure. these big ones, and uh, then made a short selection based on their offering. You know, in 2017. It was really fairly new that uh, some providers were, weren't even um, offering um, SD1, or they were right, said that their product yeah. was not ready. So mm-hmm. it became a short list quite fast, and um, right. and we ended up with actually uh, you know, 
I can say the name because it was it was not the winner, and now that company doesn't exist anymore. Well, we sure, sort of use inter inter, yeah. inter out, um, which oh, which yeah. was uh, you know that that company was acquired by I think GTT, and now GTT right. is selling that off. Uh, but yes. but yeah. at that time, uh, um, it was the company was uh, yeah. It, it had a different owner. It was an individual company, and then mm-hmm. uh, and then they were they were doing the business to business. So that was their main portfolio, doing business to business. Right. They were the backbone uh, for Europe. Basically. I was going to say, did did they have? They didn't have an. Did they have an integrated SD WAN solution back then? They, they were more of a yep, pure play did. kind of carrier. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So that was the that was their strategical thing, and then uh, I believe the. The whole thing was <laughs> flushed down the toilet when they got acquired mm-hmm. by the other company. Mm-hmm. But they were actually mm-hmm. quite an innovative company at that time—a small, you know, mid-sized uh, ent- right. uh, company. And what they were doing is 90% of their revenue was coming out of selling backbone lines to other providers. That's what they did in right. Europe. Yeah, but exactly. That, I, that I thought they, of them as a wholesale player, definitely. Yeah, so yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then they changed the market strategy and they said, okay, we already got all the providers buying backbone services from us. So where right. can we increase revenue? And they said, okay, we're going to go out to the consumer market. And uh, they had an SD1 offering on NFW and it was a Silver Peak uh, one. Um, which was really interesting at that time because at that time Cisco, Silver Peak, they were the the leaders in the mm-hmm. in the in the market. But um, yeah, long story short, we used this provider because they were you know aggressive in this one. Uh, we used them against our other uh, bet <laughs> to sort of bring down prices, and uh, and and it and actually worked. So. I, I would have stick with this company, but uh, at the end uh, we didn't go with this one. Uh, but at least we saved a lot of money uh, compared to what we were spending before 2017. Right. So it was right. uh, we changing this whole model and changing to the whole thing. I'm not I don't remember exactly the figures anymore, but it was in the millions of euros uh, that we mm-hmm. that we got into into savings uh, year by year. Um, yeah, and that was at that time maybe a good strategy, but nowadays I would totally do differently. The whole yeah, thing. Yeah, so, so. Let's, let's talk about that. What if you, if you were starting? Uh, and and like I said, a lot of folks listening to this podcast are sitting there in the process of maybe um, I've got mostly MPLS network right now. Uh, I'm looking at SD WAN vendors. What what would you say to them? Okay, so what I would do um, is that I would first of all look at a bigger picture because sd1 mm-hmm. that is that is just one part of the bigger picture so if you are responsible of the network as a whole then you should probably start to put down a strategy what is your overall network strategy because there is a lot of new mm-hmm. products and interrupting things uh, that is coming out in the market that you should consider to to integrate future into your uh, your global picture. So what I'm talking about right here, yeah, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. Saucy, this Saucy thing that is uh, on the horizon, your zero trust networking, your, you know, the the, the software-defined networking in the local air network, how can you integrate that with SD1? So all these things now, sort of seem to be come together because back, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know, in the last 10 or 20 years, 
every segment was a little island of its own, I would say, right. because okay, exactly. you had the wider network, you had your security gateway somewhere in uh, Frankfurt or New York or I don't know mm -hmm. where in the US, Pittsburgh, maybe. Ashburn. I'm not sure which yeah. Ashburn. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Okay, so the, those locations, and then uh, then it started to merge a little bit, I guess. So when you said, okay, as the one, I don't want to buy the old classical um, secure gateways that I brought 10 years ago. I want to have these local breakouts. I need a cloud proxy. Then you go towards uh, these vendors that are offering that. And then you already have a combination, right? But now when you look a little bit more in the bigger picture, then you can say, okay, I can combine uh, even better my security product with wider network. And I can also combine that with my VPN solution, bringing it into the saucy cloud, right? That's in the, right. In the right in the middle. But you can also, as I already mentioned, then uh, how are you going to to have these segmentations that you are going to put into your network, how is it going to be distributed between your sites? So you sort of want to extend your uh, your zero trust network, um, not just onto one site, but you want to extend it to other sites and to have some kind of global policy uh, and not to overcomplicate things because if you do policy side by side, or uh, and the, also the WAN policy side by side, then your whole network is going to be extremely complex. And then right. whatever you gain on security, you're gonna lose it on right. complexity and then operational right. things. So, so I would definitely zoom out a little bit, try to put down my overall strategy, and then also look at what is the SD1 provider that is actually fitting into this uh, kind of. Um, structure because right you know some of the sd1 providers come from the accelerator world the WAN accelerator world some of them come mm -hmm. from classical you know um, providers like i mean the classical manufacturer hardware manufacturers right. like Cisco's, the uh, cisco yeah. and juniper and these ones mm -hmm. and some of them are even coming from the um, from the server world uh, so yeah. vmware is trying to put the, right. they acquired velo cloud and you know right. they sort of mixing the things together and then some of them are coming from the firewall world like um, like the acquisitions Ordinary, of palo alto yeah. and yeah, yeah. so so, mm -hmm. so so there is a lot of vendors out there and all of them have some kind of pros and cons so if you are what i'm saying is that if you are focused on buying cheap internet lines right then you should mm -hmm. be looking for an sd1 solution that will sort of help you to combine all those cheap internet and into a quality right. that is actually going mm -hmm. to work for you because right, uh, right. some of these sd1 providers they do not focus on performance enhancement uh rather than uh, than um, you know routing and, and segmentation and stuff uh, so right. if you if you are on the budget parts where you say okay for me i want cheap internet circuits and 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 budget and i'm, I'm on a low one budget then i would definitely go with uh, with the vendor that came from the acceleration of the one accelerator world because right. what they invested most on it is that how can you bring these internet circuits into into one single connection that that is actually comparable to mpls but if mm -hmm. you are more advanced uh, on segmentation um or uh, or routing so you have 
I don't know, a lot of um, different companies within your company or, you know, business areas. And then you need to have all kinds of segments for all of those. You have 60 different subsidiaries and you sort of need to bring all the routing together uh, and do segmentation. And probably you are better off with, um, with a, you know, with uh, with somebody who comes from the firewall world or, or just a classical networking for like Cisco, so uh, that 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 would that would drive the decision on SD one vendor selection. But then that that would also bring you towards to the idea, okay, who is going to manage this uh, for me? Exactly. Because yeah. um, providers they stick to be they stick to with one of the SD one providers more likely. So they uh, because it's costly to to build a network operation or knock network operation center that right. can operate ten kinds of SD one. So what they do, right. okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just uh, stick with one of them, make them strategical partner. I get a lot of discounts. I can sell it to customers, and yeah. whoever customers yeah. wants to buy that, they will just buy it from me because I'm offering that. So um, so that's 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 how it is. And and then uh, then you need to make the decision like are you going to buy this from uh, from the same vendor that is going to sell you the internet links or are you going to separate the thing and then say that i will have an sd1 managing vendor um which could be actually in-house as well if you are well stuffed uh, you can mm-hmm. do that but mm-hmm. you're going to have a, a separate sd1 vendor i mean a sd1 managing vendor and then right. you have a, a different uh, vendor for provisioning internets. Um, I think that's the best model. I mm-hmm. would, if I would do, do network changes right now, or if I will be doing network changes in the future, I will definitely go in that route that uh, I separate the the SD one management from uh, from internet provisioning from the carrier. Right. Yeah. That makes because sense. Yeah. Um, it is if you do it all together it's really rigid it's real it's not flexible and then if you are not happy which you probably won't be happy uh, uh, then uh, then it is really hard to change so so yeah, yeah. and that's one that's... point uh-huh. then if i jump into sorry i'm gonna have a long monologue here but if no, I that's jump, great that's great it's great information so yeah if if i change my perspective on how would i provision internet lines um i would definitely not buy any mpls anymore i don't see the mm-hmm. the point of it um in some rare occasions maybe so if you are in a really rural area where there is no internet um, built out and you have some MPLS built for millions of euros or dollars in before, right, right. Um, yeah. probably you're not going to change that because that right. it doesn't make sense. Or you are, you say that you don't trust internet for your most critical sites where, I don't know, 5,000 people are working every day and then right. production stops there, you know, millions of euros are, are dollars. I'm not sure who is listening to this. Is it more like you yeah, Americans both, or both works? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I do all my pricing analysis in dollars, so so people who okay. pay attention to the stuff that we put out, we we run that exact kind of scenario where you have MPLS at the core kind of head headquarters sites, um, and and save millions of dollars on on ditching it elsewhere. You know. So sorry, yeah. please go ahead. Yeah. So so I, I definitely say that if you are conservative and you are afraid of uh, things, then keep your MPLS on the most important sites, but mm-hmm. don't go MPLS for non-critical sites. That's for sure. Don't keep right. it. Don't right. don't provision it in your new solution because it doesn't make sense. 
Um, and then internet, who to, where to buy internet? I think we already touched that is this. That's a big um, question. Yeah, yeah but that's, yeah, that's, absolutely. Mm -hmm. We already start, touched it, but I, I want to sort of show some pros and cons what we have here. Um, for example, if you buy it from a tier one provider who is going to deploy you the rebranded MPLS internet, because that's right, what it is in my head. MPLS like service. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because uh, it's the same backbone it is using, um, it's the same provider edge routers where you join in. Right. It's, it's the same process as with MPLS. So, what it means is going to be really long lead times to install because mm -hmm. uh, they need to do all those things um, that they do with MPLS. So they need to need to build that last mile between their pop right. and and your uh, site. So it's going to be painfully long, uh, not fast provision. What SD1 is right. meant to be, uh, right? Then the other thing is that is that they are going to use um, private IPs on the internet, uh, or or in cases they will say that okay, this internet is. Uh, you know, it's it is a private network in a way, uh, only yeah. that there is a public part at the other other end. But, uh, right, but what... they're not trading your traffic off to other ISPs or, or uh, internet providers. Uh, you know, so yeah, a lot of times, you, as soon almost as soon as your traffic leaves your your site, it's getting handed off to some other provider. That's that's not the case with tier one, and that's their their kind of argument for for why it. Uh, why it's worth paying more for, perhaps, right? So, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's absolutely true. Mm -hmm. uh, but it also means that you're stick with them because, uh, right. for example, right. if you want to um, want to change ISP, and it's uh, or you want to change you want to change vendors, then you know it's going to be long and uh, painful to change them. And, yeah. yeah, and the provisioning time, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because um, let, let's say that. Um, Let's say that you you want to change um, the the SD one. You are in a contract where you buy uh, SD one management and internet service from the from the tier one provider. Let's say you want to change technology because you are not happy with your SD one uh, world. What happens mm -hmm. is that you're probably not going to be able to change it with the provider that you're buying the internet from. So right. what it means that you need to change the whole thing. So right. In this case, it's not just that you say I'm gonna cancel my uh, SD1 subscription and then uh, and then put my own one on the on the end of it, because it's their own network in this way. In the even if it's internet, uh, it, it will you know cause a lot of problems and they will have provisioner issues. All their automations that was built around this product. Um, is going to screw up and then all these mm -hmm. administrative issues and all those fast codings that they need to done in order to jump into the SD1 market. Yeah. yeah, all for nothing. And, you know, yeah. that's that's a lot of pain that you could save yourself yeah. if you are doing this uh, as a clean sheet, as a green field. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, I, I don't suggest to buy from tier one uh, providers. That's my... Um, um, that's my advice. I, there will be a lot of people who will say against me, um, and sure. and I I understand that point as well. But mm -hmm. I I bought from tier one providers, and I'm I'm not happy with that service. Yeah. And, no, I mean um, that's that's exactly the kind of thing that we want to explore on this podcast. Truthfully, is because 
every network is different. Everyone's compute needs are different. Everyone's site setup is different. And, um, you know, it's, it's cliche, but, uh, but, you know, the, the right solution is very likely slightly different for, for everyone. So getting a perspective on like what you've been through and what you would do next is exactly what, uh, people want to hear about, you know? So, yeah. yeah. So, um, if you want to buy this internet circuit, then don't buy it together with the SD one. That's my other advice because, uh, uh yeah. Right. So, yeah. so go directly to an SD WAN vendor, maybe, um, maybe even managed uh, yourself so that you're just, you have an underlay, the underlays issues are whatever they are, and it's not tied to your overlay issues, uh, yep. if that makes yep. sense. Yeah, that's that's basically what, I'm, what I want to say. Good, good uh, <laughs> yeah. putting it together in one word. So No, no worries. That... And, that, and that's what is really great, I think, about SUN is it provides that opportunity right you know what i mean it was it was really hard uh five years ago if you if you even if you wanted to pursue a kind of like mini mpls wans around different regions or something that was very difficult whereas you know sdwan does give you the opportunity to act kind of more as your own telco and and kind of put a network together uh yourself so it sounds like you're leaning toward that direction yeah ab absolutely and, and i think this is a biggest advantage because if you're unhappy with something you can change it immediately at least on right. the overlay part mm -hmm. um what i think is worth putting time into is then because we are, haven't closed that uh, monologue yet so what is my mm -hmm. recommended internet buy and, and but we already touched that i think at the beginning of the discussion that right now what i would do i would source look internets locally and then I would either build an inside team who would be managing this or find a, a global provider that is with this little letter of authority who take over the hassle of, uh, of, of doing these um, line right. failure, you know, reporting and whatever is around it. Mm -hmm. once, once you have your underlay built on a, in a strategic way, so it means that you brought in the fiber into the, into the site and that is with a good provider, or you bought multiple fibers into your location that is on on uh, on, a, on a good kind of connection, uh, stable and, and 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 good peering with other uh, ISPs, then mm -hmm. you're good for a lot of uh, for a long time. Because in the past, if you wanted to do a wide area network change, it means that you sort of destructed all the things that you have built up in the last 10 years and then you right. start over with another vendor who will cost who will charge you with non-recurring costs building the right. network whatever whatever but with this and new just world, a cost to sending out an rfi and rfp and all that sort of thing of even, course and the technician needs that, to yeah. go out so it's uh for per site it can go easily on the and the on the on the mm -hmm. thousands of, uh, of of dollars but what if they say that they the fiber that the previous provider used that is not good for us because they are not in contract with that sub provider they need to build a new one and they will say okay there is a digging cost of a hundred thousand dollars you need to pay that and that's how you sort of did that in the past but now if you invest into your underlay network which is pure internet and it is based on providers that are strong in your region then you build that network for once and then your network tender in the future will only be changing as the one vendors and not the underlay network. 
right? right? right. Because mm-hmm. and, and that is the strong and fundamental thing that I that I believe SD was was meant for, and that is the flexibility that should come with SD one uh, um, in total. So a lot of a lot of the companies got this wrong at the first, like us. Absolutely. Like we said, okay, SD one, let's bring it in with a tier one provider, and then uh, and then it will be uh, it will be great for us, but in the end, uh, you pay millions of euros, you get a shitty service, and it's mm-hmm. rigid, and it's not flexible, and it's slow to deploy, and, and all those problems that you had in past with MPLS. Exactly, um, all the same MPLS problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, so, yeah, this, this is my advice, basically, that uh, make sure your underlay is pure internet, not not you know with one company but it's a pure internet with local um, internet suppliers build that underlay invest into fiber into building okay you find out that there is a good provider a tier one provider in the country in italy for example who will dig that fiber for your location so if you pay that digging cost directly to the one that as owning that network then you will know that that digging cost didn't went into uh you know into the toilet because you will never need to pay that digging cost again for another provider because that right. will be yours that that investment you, you did is not going to yeah. go away when you do the next uh, wider network tender which is only about devices yeah, we need to look at, at the WAN as like uh, an enterprise or, or corporation would think about physical infrastructure even, right? You know, so if you constructed yeah. a site, you wouldn't just abandon it every few years, right? So, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like with the utilities. Uh, and I and I think mm-hmm. underlay and is, is a new kind of utility in this perspective. Mm-hmm. And the intelligence and the, let's say, the the quality and the, and the, and all these modern stuff that all, that all comes from the overlay and then that you can change quite easily because once you you know you have all those ip addresses uh, already in your data right because you're not going to change the ip address uh, all you need to do the, the zero trust provisioning in that matter right. would be much more easier because then you can you yeah. configure those devices with the ips that you already have and you already know uh in your next um change and then you send it out to the sites and then okay you don't even need to have the local it knowledge to plug those things in because then with a simple guide anybody can plug it in um and and then you achieve zero zero touch networking which is right now that's not happening anywhere and i I even heard that Mm -hmm. uh, the, these theorem providers, they are not putting into their marketing thing anymore because there is uh, there's no happen. such thing as, yeah, as zero yeah. touch in, in their world. So mm-hmm. so there is a lot of benefits uh, around the, this way of provisioning. Mm-hmm. Excellent. You know, I, I think um, a, a, a great way to sort of uh, wrap this up and, and uh, put the, the capstone on it is to say uh, all of these things you've been saying, it sounds like they're they're what you want to do going forward. Are are you in a position now where you're kind of um, waiting out the clock, if you will, on your contracts and 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 uh, to to be able to implement this kind of new strategy? Is that where you are right now? No, this is a future things. Um, mm-hmm. I having all this in mind, and uh, we are waiting for the Sauce model to evolve because. Gotcha. Um, mm-hmm. You know, to bring the best performance, you want 90% of our traffic is internet. Um, right. I mean, web traffic, not 
internet, I mean, internet, internet. And, and basically right. for that with SD1 and, and a cloud proxy solution, you don't have these performance enhancing systems that you would have for your internal network. So this intelligence that in the SD1, it requires an SD1 box on one side and an SD box on the other side in order to to enhance your performance over the internet links. So what is missing on the market right now, um, or some starts are already doing it, but uh, is that you bring uh, the SD1 function closer uh, to your security side. So right now, these, the full SASE yep. model, there's nobody really offering that uh, yep. in, in a good way. Uh, but I'm waiting right. to that to be consolidated and you know, and and then uh, we can we can utilize that into the new uh, section. So I think uh, I'm not going to do any changes in the next two years uh, until until right. yeah, wait for it to mature, and then I will get all these ideas that I've just discussed here, <laughs> you know, put it to, into one uh, strategy and then implement it that way. That's really interesting. I mean, certainly uh, from you know we, we track uh, kind of profiles of of the SD WAN vendors and. Of course, you know, in the in the past year or or less, really, um, SASE has become a part of all of their marketing language. But when you when you dig into sort of what actual functions they're offering, it's it, it is true. It's, it's there's there's some room to develop into. You know, SASE is a concept, um, but we, we need that concept to develop into actual offerings that you can put together in a way that works for you. So it's going to be interesting to watch from our perspective. Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know, this was really interesting. I, I think that everybody, um, uh, wh whether you're on the buy side or the sell side, um, is going to find this uh, to be really useful to think about um, looking forward. So thank you so much for joining us, Remark. I, I um, always like to end things, though, with with kind of a fun note. Um, and for that, I'm wondering if uh, if maybe you can tell me what what you're most looking forward to um, once life has returned to uh, a post covid kind of uh, baseline uh, what is it that you've been missing the last year or so i want to go on to a hotel <laughs> and have yeah, a beer I, at the bar <laughs> yeah. oh, man. with I my wife yeah. <laughs> or or with that's my colleagues weird. with somebody you know yeah but that's that's it but uh yeah that, that's the most i miss the traveling part mm-hmm yeah that's right you know you and i are speaking at the same virtual conference at the end of this month the uh sd win World SD WAN Summit, I think, or whatever. So yep. and that was supposed to be in Berlin. That would have been great, you know, get some uh, a, a beer and a flaffel on the street corner. But alas, I will be right here. So, yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you so much. This has been really great. And, um, you know, I should make a note to check in in a couple of years and, and see how things are. I'm sure we'll be checking in before then, but uh, it would be great to someday get an update on kind of how all of that uh, went for you and if, if um, what you were hoping uh, would emerge did so excellent yep looking forward for that thanks for the invite for this one discussions absolutely thanks very much for listening the WAN manager podcast is brought to you by telegeography a division of primetrica incorporated and is edited and produced by jane miller i wrote the theme song you're listening to right now and we get administrative canine support from my dog Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her if you want to learn more about our data head over to telegeography.com where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here and you can sign up for our wan manager newsletter 
Until next time, have a great day. So we talk a lot on the WAN Manager podcast about the edge like SD-WAN and the core like cloud, but there's also the internet middle mile between those two things. At Telegeography, we've actually been doing a lot of research on what happens between the core backbone network and the local access, and we're excited to share our findings. That's why on March 4th at 10 a.m. Eastern, we're getting together for a Telegeography deep dive online. So this will be a live event with lots of data and discussion. We'll present some of our research findings and talk with experts from places like Epsilon, Ariaka, AM6, and Megaport. It's gonna be a really interesting morning or afternoon, depending on your time zone. And with Telegeography Deep Dives, we want you to get deeper into these topics than the normal 30-minute webinar would allow us to do. We also know there's a lot of bigger, longer, multi-day online events happening out there right now. And neither of those options felt quite right for what we were going for in this topic. So we thought this presentation and panel format, uh, just lasting a, about an hour, is really the sweet spot. We hope you think so too. So you can register for this event through the link in our show notes here, or you can head over to blog.telegeography.com for more information. Now, if you can't make the event, sign up anyway, and we'll make sure you get access to a recording. We also left space on the registration form, so you can ask us your middle mile questions ahead of time, and then we can cover exactly what you are interested in. All said, we can't wait for this session on all things middle mile, and again, hope to see you there on March 4th at 10 a.m. Eastern.